The Athletic. Hi there, everyone. This is From the Rookery End, a Watford podcast brought to you by The Athletic. And this is Adam Leventhal, the Watford correspondent of The Athletic. And I am alongside today, David Walker. How are you, David? Oh, what a what a mad club, eh? I'm fine. I'm fine. But I'm sure I'm sure I'm not as tired as you are after the last few days. Well, that is true. That is true. I've got a little bit of um, extra information for everyone just to just sort of add to the, uh, the whirlwindness of uh, this past week. I did actually... Um, also suffer suffer an ankle ligament uh, injury in the midst of all of it, which meant that Monday evening was spent in A and E uh, for three and a half hours. So I was actually sort of on a on a wheelchair with an extendable leg thing, with my leg propped out, digging into Ranieri going, Roy coming in, and dealing with uh, a, a, a Wi-Fi which was which was ridiculously temperamental. But anyway, that was just a little a little extra twist. Um, Mike is also here. How are you, Mike, in comparison? Yeah, really good. I mean, presumably that injury means you've been called up for the latter stages of Senegal's AFCON uh, <laughs> campaign now, does it? I, I don't know if I'm delirious, but I think, I think I'm all right, you know. I think I feel like a bit of a, a weight's lifted. I think I'm ready for the season to start again now. Or start, not start again, start. <laughs> Just start, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's been a, it has been a strange couple of days, obviously for for everyone. I think we all saw the sacking coming, as as I wrote about on Saturday morning of of Ranieri, and now we are looking forward to the Roy Hodgson. And let's not forget, and this is probably something that is that people necessarily outside of the Watford bubble haven't picked up on. It is also Ray Lewington's era again at Watford and I think that that yeah. warms Welcome the back, heart yeah, back, of, of a lot of a lot of Watford fans that Ray Lewington is involved before we get stuck into it and we'll reflect on this podcast of of the process of of the the, the back end of of Ranieri so to speak and then Roy Hodgson coming in we'll explain that and we'll touch on a few of the things that I have written in the athletic we'll also look at some of the things that Roy Hodgson has has been saying about the challenge as well analyze that and and some of the main things that are in his his intray as he starts this two weeks ahead of the Burnley game on February the 5th but gents first thing I wanted to um, just get your take on the first thing that we saw of Roy Hodgson was that video that the club released it was him sort of heading onto the training ground and you know taking that first session i just wanted you both to choose one thing that stuck out for you the most just one thing one line or one site that you found the, the most interesting. I loved it all. I really did. I mean, it's been really interesting to see the reactions from people because it seems like even a lot of the sceptics, and there are plenty of them out there, kind of been won over just by, a, you know, a couple of videos of like 90 seconds of Roy and Ray on the training pitch like a pair of old PE teachers. But um, <laughs> I, 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 I loved the bit, and I think this is quite popular, where he's, he's, he didn't take him long to suss out the goalkeepers, did it? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen any saves yet. So keepers now's your chance. 
Make some change. <laughs> I, I'm sharing that with you. That was my favourite favourite moment. Just the turn to the goalkeepers, almost like, come on, lads. Well, you are here to save some save some goals, by the way. You know, stop them stop them going in. And I just loved overall the the directness of the whole thing and the fact that he was just straight into it and actually right at the beginning i quite like the fact that he said and this might be this might be and i'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying more reflective of his age as well the fact that he did start it all off by saying look it's too cold to be standing around let's, let's get, get to work let's get to work which i absolutely loved what what stuck out for you mike i absolutely i think they were doing some shooting drills and someone smacks the post and you can just see musa sissoko just sort of jumping out of the way at a million miles an hour him him being seen to cower from a from an errant shot was quite good fun. But but all joking aside, what I what really jumped out at me was just the attention to detail that he was getting straight into. I can't I can't stop him shooting. I mean, he's at speed over speed. If I can keep him there and my keep really good, he might be, don't be quite so tempted there as he comes inside you two against one. Don't make that move too early so he slips it. He, there was a, a number of a number of incidents of that, and I just thought, well. You know he's straight into work, and he's and he's straight into identifying what these players are doing, uh, and what they aren't doing, what they should be doing, and what he wants them to do. So, I just think that perhaps that speaks to his slightly more forensic approach to to training, uh, and I just love the fact that he's getting getting stuck into that that level straight away. Not he wasn't on a tour of the training ground. He wasn't sort of going around shaking hands, meeting everyone. He certainly didn't everyone know everyone's names because at one point he said. <laughs> Musa, well done, and you two, not bad either, or something, something like that. So, but it was, um, it just does fill you with. I mean, it, perhaps it's a little bit, a, a little bit basic as a, as a, as a, as a supporter, just to feel that that new broom come sweeping through, and after everything that we've had to endure over the last couple of months, and well, the last couple of days with with Friday still fresh in the mind, it feels like there's someone committed to the training side of things because we're not going to dwell on Norwich, I know, but. For a game of that magnitude, a team should go out with some sort of shape and some semblance of um, organisation. There was none of that on Friday. And you don't get the sense that Roy Hodgson and Ray Lewington are going to be putting out too many teams that look as uh, ragtag and bobtail as they did on Friday night. So it feels like a new broom. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm excited about it. Gents, just before we kick on, I just wanted to read you a quote. And I want you to tell me who said this. The manager is employed to coach a football team. That has to be his primary focus. So I concentrate for the most part on the team, making sure they're prepared for the challenge ahead. After that, it's about compartmentalising. The owner has employed me and the fans are the people whose interest in the game has generated my job and my players' jobs. We must never lose sight of that but you can't work for the fans or even just for the chairman. The only way you can satisfy both parties is to do your job well and to win. Who do you think said that, Dave? Roy, surely? Harry the Hornet. It it was Roy, but Mike, who would have said something like that? Graham. It is, isn't it? Just seems to me, I was reading that earlier on, and there's obviously that you know famous quote from Graham Taylor about you know football's there to entertain people and it's a simple game and all that sort of stuff. And I just think that Watford have now got a head coach. Actually, scratch that. He's not a head coach. And we can talk about the fact that he's not a head coach. He's a manager in a moment's time. But they have a manager now and they have an assistant manager that are going to be very direct and they're going to lay it out very, very simply to a set of players. And I hope, I hope that that may 
act to bring a gear change to, to this season, which so far has been... A disaster. Yeah, pulled the gear stick out and chucked it out the window because it, it's it been stop-start and not quite right. Th- that's right. I think this season has been an unmitigated disaster. If you look back on it so far, it's it's been awful. We've got pretty much everything wrong. The performances in the whole have been abject. And I, when I talk about feeling ready to go, and it's reading... Uh, your piece about about Roy and his and his approach to the game and 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 the football and his job and also the piece on the on the official site. Roy Hodgson makes no bones about how difficult this job is going to be, and I think I think the scales have fallen away from absolutely everyone's eyes now. We know where we're at. We know that we've been nowhere near good enough. It's not a case of well, if we can just do this or if we can just bring that player in. We've been awful. We fluffed our lines week in week out, and we're now right up against it in the last, last chance saloon. And Roy Hodgson recognises that. We recognise it as, as, as supporters and hopefully the players will, will recognise it too. So it does feel like a new dawn. It feels like the, the last dawn of this, of, this, of this season so far. Don't bet on but, it. Yeah, well, yeah God, I don't. <laughs> but, but everything, it, it, I don't know how you feel about it, guys, but it feels quite encouraging that we feel like Friday was was a new low and hopefully the ultimate low and now it's like right really down to business and it feels like we've got someone who's who's equipped to do it absolutely and and you know look it, it is the roller coaster that we've become accustomed to over many years now but what I was sort of thinking about just in the in the last few moments as we're talking about this we're all sitting here we're you know we're feeling quite positive about Roy but has your how did you feel when it was first announced or, or rather when it when the reports first emerged and, and Adam first tweeted from A&E that Roy Hodgson was in the frame because it seems even in the last what we're not even we're just over 20 24 hours or so the mood has already changed just by the virtue of a few videos and some pictures and an interview on the club website you know I saw a lot of doom and gloom on Twitter when he was announced and some sort of you know kind of people laughing and we were you know couldn't they couldn't believe what they were what they were seeing and now it does sort of feel that like everyone's kind of come around to the idea and it it might be a good thing. I think that 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 is the case. Look, as you said a few moments ago Dave, you know, don't bet on it in terms of, you know, that this might be the 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 new dawn that sees us all the way through this this next 18 games in the season. We've been here before. We've been here in the 2019-20 season. We were here with Nigel Pearson and it was all looking positive. We didn't quite know how that was going to pan out. And it nearly worked, but it did eventually limp and fall apart right at the end. So we don't know if this is going to work. But so far, the the key thing from my point of view and the, the messages that I've been receiving from some of my colleagues, especially those from, from Crystal Palace, have been saying, he should keep you up. He'll keep you up. He'll get you organised and he'll keep you up, which... I, you know, that's heartening from from my point of view to to hear, and I think quite a few Crystal Palace fans as well have contacted on on you know on the comments on articles and things like that, and they've said it online too that he will get Watford organised and he will make Watford tougher to beat. Now that is the main aim. How he's going to do that is the next question, and how much buy-in he will get from the players is the key question, because his methods and the methods of Ray Lewington are probably going to be quite different to that of of Claudio Ranieri. And I'm looking into this piece that I'm writing at the moment, and I've gone back 
to look at some some of the things that his former players at, at Fulham have said, at West Brom, at Crystal Palace as well. And there was one that I just wanted to pick out from Damien Delaney. Anyone who complains about him, well, I'm not really sure what to tell them, but you should thank God every morning or whoever put him at Palace and made him want to stay because they are so lucky. And I know it sounds as if we're just completely buying into someone that we haven't actually seen uh, put a team together out at the moment. But the thing that he seems to have done over time, maybe not with England, we're not ignoring England, you know, and that didn't go to go too well towards the end. But what he seems to do is make teams better than the sum of their parts. And one one other quote that I wanted to read you from Breda Hangerland, former Fulham defender, he said... I played with Aaron Hughes at centre-back and we formed an almost telepathic understanding after all the drills on the training ground and the fact that all the players were thinking the same way, covering spaces, blocking lines, being a centre-back for Roy Hodgson makes you look like a very good player, probably better than we were, to be honest. And that's the sort of thing that I really like. There is you know, a lot of evidence to suggest that he can make players that haven't been performing particularly well perform better and that to me is heartening and now it's over to the players to take it on board because what it says to me is I know how to make a team better I've done it before I've done it in relegation scraps I've done it in the Premier League yes I'm 74 yes you might think I'm a bit eccentric yes I might not look like a typical Pep Guardiola young trendy coach but I've been there and done it so listen to me do as you're told and we might actually be all right that's how I. That's how I'm feeling about the whole thing. I think you're right, Adam. I think that's what's given me a little bit of confidence because he is being quite open about that. It is, he, it, like you say, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's going to bring to the table, and he's expecting the players to to deal with it. I think his quote on the on the website was was telling. It's going to be a really intense four months for us, and if we're going to achieve our goals, the players are the ones that are going to do it for us. And that you can't spell it out much clearer than that. And then in, in your piece, Ad, another little bit that I really liked was, I can't remember who the quote was from, but it talked about his communication and it talked about talking to the players, explaining if they weren't going to be a part of the team, telling them why. And it may be the case that, that this Watford side is a little bit fractious and a little bit tetchy and a little bit, you know, not, not feeling loved or, or whatever, low on confidence, certainly. And I think someone coming in with the credentials that he's got the, the obvious the work ethos that he's got the reputation he's got and being able to do a little bit of that sort of communication work which perhaps hasn't necessarily been up to scratch shall we say at, at Watford certainly I got that impression under under Claudio Ranieri combine those things together put them under pressure give them the opportunity to go out there and and, and win it but but let them know that they're responsible while also talking to them coaxing them through it and actually coaching them to it because it's more than just say it's more than x's and o's football these days isn't it we we know that and so there's there's obviously he's got to get out there and do it but there are encouraging encouraging signs and it might just be might just be that he's the right fit for this group of players at this this particular time it might be and i hope it will be and i do like roy hodgson i've always been a fan of his you know his sort of avuncular charm and not, which is also not to not to suggest that he's just kind of some old sort of 
you know, kindly old uncle, he 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 doesn't take any prisoners. You know, when he when you he tell that for that video, yeah, when he's unhappy about stuff, there's plenty of examples that you can find of him speaking his mind, of being very blunt and direct, and behind the closed doors, I'm sure even more so. But what, what I've found, are you to... taking the piss? <laughs> well, exactly. I think you are. Yeah, go and have a look at the video. Yeah, with him in match of the day. You mentioned his quotes from the uh, interview on the website there, Mike. But there was another line that stood out to me, and he said, and he's aware of this. Obviously, he said, I'm confident in the sense that I've been in situations that aren't so different to this before at Fulham, West Brom and Palace. However, the period of time I had to change things might have been a bit different or might have been a bit longer on each occasion. And I think that is the concern for me is that if you look at Roy Hodgson's record at some of these teams previously, the impact wasn't always immediate and there may be contextual reasons why that was the case. But certainly he had a long road ahead of him in all of those previous jobs. And the sort of work that he does, if you listen to the sorts of players that have played under him, it does take time for because it's, it's, it's more than just, here's what I want you to do. It's, it's basically, if you are to believe the players and, and to listen to them, Roy gets them to form habits and gets them to do stuff again and again and again and again until it becomes second nature. And that doesn't happen overnight. So we may see some efforts to do things in a different way initially. But does he have enough games and enough time to really get us to perform an about turn and become one of the better defensive teams in the bottom half of the league when we are currently one of the worst? It is a worry considering the fact that it has taken time for him to settle in at previous clubs at Fulham. It was one win in the first 10 games at Crystal Palace. It was only one win in the first eight. But the Crystal Palace example is is interesting because what happened there, he was taking on... Uh, I, I, don't think, I don't think Watford have been as much of a mess as has been made out. I know Norwich was, was a, a really damaging and demoralising defeat. I don't think they're a million miles away. They're not a complete farce on the football field, I don't think, at the moment. I don't think they've been that bad. Yes, the results have been bad, but I don't think they're a million miles away. However, he was taking over at Crystal Palace a similarly difficult situation from Frank de Boer. He had three games, I think it was, before he had an opportunity in the October international break to start to get to grips with his team. So if you look at the timing of all of this, it is it is key that he does now have two full weeks to work with his squad, which I think will have been in the mind of the, the Watford hierarchy to go, okay, right, they obviously need work. They need to be drilled in a new way of organize, organization. And it may well prove, you know, they've, they've really got stuck in straight away to, to start training, have two full weeks and just get used to things before going into a really, really difficult game against another, I'm saying another, against a side that is very, very organised in Burnley. So I think that the, the timing is very, very important and it might have given Watford a, a decent chance, a decent chance of, of putting up a good fight at Burnley. But one other thing I wanted to mention is something that I found quite heartening in terms of the transition from the, the Ranieri era and the acceptance that the players haven't been good enough. And we know that there's been a few disturbances in the force within the, within the dressing room that 
as I understand it, when they were told that they were going to be given three days off after a 3-0 defeat against Norwich, there was two schools of thought. One from the captain, Musa Sissoko, was, uh, hang on a minute, we've just lost 3-0, we need to get to work straight away. The others, that had maybe been here a little bit longer, went, ah, right, yeah, we've been here before. No, 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 Musa, no, it's all right, it's all right. It, they're, they're telling us something. They're telling us something. Well, no, hang on a minute. We should be back training. No, 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 Musa. Just, just leave it. Leave it. We'll come back on Tuesday, and and things might be different. So, I quite like the fact that Musa Sissoko was thinking we need to get back to work. We need to fight, and it, almost accepting and taking on that sort of captaincy mantle of we need to be doing better. And hopefully, he can then carry that forward into the into the Roy Hodgson era because obviously they were taking their time because they knew they were going to act and they knew that they were going to say goodbye to, to Claudio Ranieri and he had to clear his desk and he did it on the on the um, classic Watford, isn't it? For him to be clearing his desk, driving down the drive one way as, as Roy Hodgson is driving up the other way, stopping the car and saying, hello, hello, how are you doing? All the best. Yeah, good, good luck with it. And, you know, so that is Watford. It's, it's a funny old world, but yeah, we're into a new era now. Dave, you mentioned sort of how judging how people are feeling and obviously social media is not a great barometer. We all know that, but that doesn't stop us taking to Twitter earlier and just asking how how people were feeling now that the dust settled a little bit, as much as the dust ever does settle at Vicarage Road. Skyzer, I think it is, Skyzer UK, man after my own heart, disillusioned, disappointed, disengaged, despondent, dismayed, defeated, depressed, and that's just the D's. Well, that's good, isn't it? So, <laughs> thanks very much for that. Just, I think that a, a good counterpoint to our um, to our positive a positive podcast so far. So, so I appreciate that. Stephen Smith said uh, mixed emotions. I think Roy's a sensible appointment, probably one of the best options available. But the fact it's only short term is a worry, as it means we're going through all this again next season. Interesting point. F one fan, I love this. Um, I think any player who thinks R and R stands for rest and relaxation is going to get a shock. Roy and Ray will work them hard and will not carry slackers. So, yeah, all up for that. Alan Silva, more optimistic than when I walked out of the ground on Friday. A sensible appointment given the situation. Like what I saw in the video posted from training. Huge game next. If we can get a result and look like a team with a plan, then even better. Uh, GM, common sense appointment. Not entertaining, but in our position, that can wait. It's a big upgrade, in my opinion. And one here from Joseph S. Blatter. Uh, Roy Hudson, good luck in, in Watford. Legends live forever. It's not a mission impossible for you, my friend. So nice to hear from you, Sep. Yeah. Of all the people to wish you well, it's like uh, I posted on social media just with a guy just shutting a blind next to him with someone trying to get in through the window. Mate, I don't need, just leave it, leave it, leave it. I've got work to do. Leave me alone. Uh, anyway, I mentioned earlier on uh, that he has obviously been made, uh, made the manager rather than head coach. And I think we need to talk about that next. A Watford FC podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is from the Rookery End. So we'll come on to Ray Lewington returning to the club in a moment's time. But many of you will have noticed when the announcement came through that Roy Hodgson was going to be in charge from now on, all the way through until the end of the season. And you would have noticed that he was the manager rather than a head coach. And as promised, I wanted to just sort of give you a little bit of information in terms of how I understand that decision uh, came about. My understanding is that there was a consciousness that there needed to be a little bit of a shift in focus. And that in this sort of situation, when you have um, a precarious scenario and you have a manager that is someone that has been in control 
of situations before and is an authoritative figure that it should be his way or the highway almost and he is the manager he is the one that will be able to decide what he wants from other people it's not he he's not going to bring in a, a huge coaching staff as other head coaches have have either brought in with them or worked with in the past it's going to be roy and it's going to be ray and it's going to be their words that carry the weight and i think that they wanted to strip things down make it simple and make it very very clear for the players that there is one person that they need to be listening to and that is roy hodgson obviously ray as well with his booming voice you can't, you can't ignore him but i think that it will now be that yes obviously there is still all the the medical staff the sports science the nutrition and all these people they're still there if need be but it's going to be whether roy hodgson wants to lean on them rather than them leaning on him too much just strip it down let him be the boss and let him crack on which i think is a which is a positive step as far as look it might this isn't going to change it's not going to change completely and this is still Watford, this is still with Gino Pozzo, it's still with Scott Duxbury, it's still with Cristiano Giretta. But it seems, even just in this little, this moment that we're talking about, seems to be a step in the right direction in these circumstances, in these sort of dire straits. Yeah, I did raise an eyebrow at it when I saw it. It was notable, it stood out because we, you know, we're so used to the terminology being head coach. I did wonder whether it was something maybe Roy would have insisted on because he's been a manager his whole his whole career. I don't know. He's managed so many places. Maybe one of them he was head coach. I'm not sure. But it, that that sort of something that just I wondered as well. But if it is, if it does show a little bit of humility on Gino or Scotts or whoever's part, that okay, you know, we need a little bit of help here as well. Then I think that can only be a good thing. We'll, we'll see how it all plays out. As you say, it could be semantics, but if it has more significance, then I think that would be you know, possibly be a positive. It's interesting because Roy Hodgson, after he left Crystal Palace, as I understand it, was sort of looking into potentially going into advisory roles at football clubs or, or something like that. So, you know, in the ideal scenario, obviously Roy Hodgson comes in, you know, tears it up, Watford stay up, finish 11th or 12th or, you know, you know, really make it a good go for the Europa League places. <laughs> Hold on, <laughs> don't get carried away. Steady. Um, <laughs> steady. I'm joking. I'm, I'm only joking. But, you know, and that, that might then see him extend his contract into next season. But if he shows that he's able to keep Watford up and has some good ideas about the next steps, maybe, maybe that advisory role could in some form be at Watford in the future. So, you know, you've got an authoritative figure. And I know we said the similar thing about Claudio Ranieri before, but that didn't quite work out. It may well be that this this could be the beginning of a of a relationship between Watford and, and Roy Hodgson. Or is that, is that wishful thinking? Am I really getting really carried away with this? You're reaching here, Ad, but what you, I am glad that you mentioned the Europa League, actually, because Roy Hodgson did famously take Fulham to the Europa League final. Um, 12th of May 2010 was that was that final. Unfortunately for Fulham fans, they, they lost. Can you Do you know what the significance of the 12th of May 2010 is? It's a bit, a bit self-indulgent, this one. Well, it's the same, it's the same day as... I think I've the, got a guess. Well, the twelfth. Hang on is a minute. Twelfth of May is Dini Dini Goal Day, but I know that that was three three years later, wasn't it? Is, is it Arlo's no, birthday? Yeah, we're talking about. No, it's the twelfth of May, twenty ten, the night that that Fulham were in the Europa League final under Roy Hodgson. The first ever from the Rookery End podcast oh, was recorded. Okay. Ah, 
So a, a nice little unanticipated uh, segue there. But yeah, just to go back to the, the manager thing, I think it underscores his authority for me. I think it's as, as simple as that. And all the positives that we've talked about so far on the podcast, for him to be able to, to, to enact that, he needs to have the authority. There needs to be no grey areas, no nonsense from the players. And if, <laughs> There's plenty and of grey areas, Mike. <laughs> yes, yeah. we've got a zoo. We've got a zoom on, and there's plenty of grey area here as well. So I don't think there's a really much um, mileage for us taking the mick out of uh, whoever you might have been taking the mick out of there. And but yeah, any grey areas just removed from it. And if if this helps it, then then I'm for it. It's it's, it's Roy's way or the highway now. Roy and Ray's way or the highway now, and it's either going to work or it isn't. But the players have to commit to it fully. Um, everyone around the club has to commit to it fully. And if this naming convention helps achieve that, helps underscore that, then then I'm for, I'm all for it. His job is is to be is to guide Watford to six or seven more wins, and that and that's it ultimately. If uh, if he does that, then I'll call him anything that he wants to be called. My concern is that Roy will improve us, but it still won't be enough. My worry is that he doesn't have enough time and that we may well see a marked improvement in the defensive organisation of the side. We may get some results here and there, but I'm just still looking around at the teams. I'm thinking it's still... It still looks to me three from four, and you're still seeing reports of Newcastle. You know, maybe it's buying Bruno Guimaraes from from Leon today for 35 million. They're, they're after defenders. They're after here, there, and you know anyone they can find. But I, I, I'm just, I just can't. You know, they got that win at the weekend. I just, I can just see us sort of bravely fighting against it, but it's still not being enough. Um, but you know, look, time, time will tell. We need to square that. You need to square that. And I think that's what I go back to at the start of the podcast about how I'm feeling. We are where we're at, mm. and it's now. This is literally the last roll of the dice because we haven't. We're running out of road um, very, very quickly. We're running out of games. We're running out of winnable games. Quite frankly, it doesn't matter who who comes in. It is Roy. We're either going to do it or we're not. He's either going to have time or he isn't. I would say the odds are firmly stacked against us. It looks like a very, very difficult battle ahead of us, but at least we know where we're at. At least we know who the manager is. At least we know who the players are that are going to have to um, going to have to do it. I agree, Mike. Yeah, it's, it is obviously going to be difficult, but there are some interesting subplots that are going to be coming this way. Two games against Palace. You know, Ray and Roy's old team. They'll they'll still got a number of those players that were still there at the time, and it'll just be you know the atmosphere will be that little bit spicier, I suppose, having Roy on the touchline for those games. Some of those games before. Here's my here is here is where my optimism is. Some of those games before, like the like the Wolves and the Palace game in hand, and even the Burnley one, where before I was thinking, oh, I just can't see it. I just can't see it. I can sort of see us just grinding a result out against a team that are much better than us. I think that's the sort of thing that hopefully he will give us is that we might get an unexpectedly good result, not in the way that we did against Everton and Man United, where it was sort of felt kind of strangely fluky and it was sort of a circumstantial thing I, I feel like he will get us points where we don't expect them and that gives me hope and just a final word on on Ranieri as well there were moments where they were playing well and they were playing in a way that you would like them to continue playing but it just seems that that early intensity and the way that they performed against you know especially even in, in defeats against Chelsea and Manchester City it just seemed as time went on that intensity and almost that that trust in in Ranieri's process just seemed to 
seemed to sort of dissipate over time. And I think he knew it as well, didn't he? I think you could see from the interview, that, well, the, you know, the very sort of 30 second interview he gave to Gary Cottrell on Sky, he he was at peace with it. I think he realised, yeah, I tried. It's not happening. Let's all move on, lads. And good luck to you. Good luck to Roy. Good luck to the rest of you. It's time for me to go back to Italy now, whatever. So I, I can get that. But just, just before we move on to some of the transfer business, guys, I just want to mention Ray Lewington and how pleased I am that he's back at the club. A lot of people will have a lot of fondness for Ray, but for me in particular, sort of, he's kind of my, my first Watford manager that I really properly had a connection with with his team you know I started watching when GT came back but I was still quite young then and I was sort of overawed by the whole experience you know then there was you know the, the rise back up to the Premier League it was all exciting and then there was the Viali that was exciting but but that Lewington was the first season that I got a season ticket. I was going to the games on my own. I followed the whole season, all the ups and downs, the cup semi-finals, the near relegations, and he, he, you know, he. That was when my love was. My love went from this sort of childhood excitement to being, you know, a lifelong passion. Was under was under Lewington, and it's going to be great to see him in those shorts on the touchline, yeah. barking out those orders once more. He is someone that. And I, I remember doing interviews when he was the Watford manager when I was at Sky Sports. And I, I'm thinking back to what Watford was like back then, you know, 2002, 2005, around that time and going to the training ground. And it was almost back then, almost like a... <laughs> I, I was sort of trying to think of like an old working man's club with sort of velvety seats and, you know, drapes over pool tables in the corner and a disused bar around the corner and things like that. And, you know, that was when Watford were, they were just Watford, mm. weren't they? They were in trouble. They were... It was buckets outside the stadium time, wasn't Absolutely. It? Yeah. They were very close to going into administration. He oversaw a very difficult period when, uh, you know, Graham Simpson was, was, was in charge. There was the ITV digital crash, which, which didn't help. The, the post-Viali difficulties with, with money and things like that and having to ask the players to take a pay cut and, and all, these, all these various things. And now I just wonder him sort of walking around the training ground thinking, bloody hell, this is a lot nicer than it used to be. Thinking now, well, we've got, we've got a good squad at our disposal and if we can just, if we can just get into them, then we should, be, we should be okay. But just in terms of him as a person... He is salt of the earth and someone that you you trust implicitly to give his all. And also he knows the game like the back of his hand. He's got an edge to him as much as Roy does. I think they play a good, good cop, bad cop relationship together. They work in tandem really, really well. And I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's great. And also, let's not forget, he wasn't treated particularly well when he left the club. A.D. Boothroyd obviously then came in at the end of that season and managed to keep Watford up. But he always felt that they were going to stay up. <laughs> well, do you remember, though? It's mad looking back, right? I remember there being a big sort of outrage at the time. God, they've lined up someone else before they sacked the old guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Trailblazers. Yeah. The two things for me about 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 well three. You mentioned it. He he's, he knows about dealing with adversity. Last time it was at Watford, we were right up against it, and and he dealt with it in in a, in a spectacularly solid way, if you like. I've seen him on the sideline with Roy Hodgson. He's vocal. He's noisy. He's prowling that that technical area. He's making himself felt on the, on the touchline as well, which I think could be could be good. You could you know we've got had some quite passive managers and head coaches, haven't we? In one way or another. In particular, 
Claudio Ranieri, which has been very noticeable. Yeah. If you compare the, you know, the noise and the staccato rhythms that used to come from the Cisco Disco and his and his pals, then <laughs> you know, and then you go to Claudio Ranieri just sort of quietly watching everything <laughs> go to shit yeah. on, on, a, on a lot of occasions. And now, yeah, you're going to get that booming dominance of come on. Get on with it. Do this. Do that. Constant. He he will yeah. not shy away from it, which I think is a yeah, it's a really important point, Mike. And I think that's something for us to hang our hats on as as supporters. You like to see a bit of activity, especially after you know the way the way Watford have been playing. So I think that's that's something to 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 look forward to. And we, you both alluded to it, but above all else. In this time where you know life can be a little bit difficult, everyone's finally feeling a little bit down in the dumps. What an absolute top top bloke he is. We've spoken to him on on from the Rickery end before, and and I'm sure people listening will have had experience with him. You know when he was at Watford or in and around the game, whatever. He's just a great bloke, and to have someone like him at the club at a time like this, I think is a, is a really welcome Philip. I think you know it's by more by luck and circumstance than anything else. But I'll take that. It's it's really really lovely to to have a, a lovely bloke back. Doesn't win football matches, but it but it helps with the sort of whole. I don't know the overall feel and atmosphere for me. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is from the Rookery End. So obviously there's a new management team with Roy Hodgson and Ray Lewington. Um, since the last podcast as well, there has been the announcement of a new signing, which is something that we trailed on the Athletic uh, last week in Samuel Kalou, who has arrived from Bordeaux. Uh, it's taken a little bit of extra time to get done. And I think that the announcement was also delayed by the fact that they had a few other announcements to get out of the way uh, after the uh, the Norwich game. And he wasn't quite registered in time for the Norwich game. So it's sort of the can got kicked down the road a little bit. Um, but you can read all about Samuel Kalou, the hopes for him at Watford and it feels a little bit like the Emmanuel Dennis situation I think as we've mentioned before uh, on the podcast so we will we will see how it pans out for him but it's just it's another option for Roy Hodgson which I think is which is good news hopefully good news hopefully as hopefully he has an impact I think looking at the piece that you wrote there's some interesting numbers in there some interesting stats he's clearly very direct player likes to dribble a lot wants to get efforts on goal so that could be good hopefully he could fit into Roy's system and perhaps we can talk about what system and all that Roy will play next week ahead of the Burnley game on next week's podcast but I just want to you know leading on from from Kalu, the situation that we're in now Ad with what four four five days to go till the transfer window closes we have got too many players I don't know whether you were going to tell us about any more that could come in, but regardless of that, we can need to get some some out. We've currently got, I think we've got 10 homegrown players in the squad. We've got 18 overseas players and you're only allowed 17 maximum. And then there's the under 21s who don't count. So we've currently got a squad of 28 senior players and you can only have 25. And one of those that has to go will have to be one of the overseas players. So... There's going to be a few exits, aren't there? Yeah, there are. And I don't think it's going to take 
too much of a mental stretch for people to work out that Danny Rose isn't going to be one of those players that's named in the in the 25 as I understand it unless there is a massive turnaround in in thought and Roy Hodgson says look now come on let's keep him in here I want I want him in but I I, I can't see that happening so that is one uh, player that is 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 almost certain to go I I would expect Dan Gosling to to also make way I expect I expect that to be the case but then again there is that this new mitigation of Roy Hodgson coming in uh, Ray Lewington coming in and going well I know what I'm going to get from him I can I can trust him I want to keep him rather than someone else I don't know who it would be but some someone else I don't really see the likes of you know I don't you know it's not going to be Sissoko it's not going to be Kutska it's not going to be Tom Cleverley there's a loyalty to Tom Cleverley from Roy Hodgson's days with England um it's not going to be Imran Loser uh it's not going to be Edo Kayembe it could be Ozan Tufan but as I understand it that the loan deal that has been agreed there isn't really much wriggle room unless both teams agree so that is a possibility it is a possibility so if it is Gosling that would be 26 so and we'd have to get rid of one overseas player so that could be Nkulu perhaps could it be a Tebow could they just leave a Tebow out the 25 and say we'll start again with you next season these are all options but I don't think a Tebow's that far away I think I think Nkulu is further away so they might say, well, he's not going to be in our squad and he is only on a deal until the end of the season. So they might have to come to an agreement with him. But Atibo looks, you know, he's back on the grass. So they would hope to have him as a as another option, I would have thought. Um, he is also on a loan deal from, from Stoke. So I don't know if there's something that they can work out there. But I, I think that he is more likely to be in the squad than, than Nkulu. We know in, in transfer windows, Watford don't always necessarily do things for the for the here and now and things can change very very quickly so they might they might say well actually this is an opportunity to get that player in now and and bring him in and and do something that no one was expecting but as it stands i would have thought they would probably think on this way of thinking right we've brought in those three original players which were plugging plugging the gaps in kamara samir and uh, kayembe They've now brought in Kalu. You can bring in players that don't have surnames that begin with K, by the way. So I, I just I just think that I think it's less likely that they will bring in a player and it's more likely that it will be busy in terms of outgoings. But but there was that nagging thought, as I know, f- prior to the transfer window that they might bring in another centre-back. But I wonder whether they might be thinking, look, we've got William Trister Kong back, we've got Christian Cabasele back. So maybe they might be they might be the ones to sort of stick around and 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 be back up. So in terms of injuries and players that are now available, they're in a far better position than they have been for the entirety of this this season up until now. And also Ishmael Assar to come back as well into the side, who's now, you know, back in the mix for Senegal, which is also, which is good news slash worrying news. And we just, you know, fingers crossed he doesn't pick up an injury when he does eventually return. So, yeah. I would say it's less likely that they're going to be signing players and more likely that they're just going to be tailoring this squad and saying to Roy Hodgson, which I'm sure he will be happy with, keep these guys up, please. So there we go, gents. I think we've uh, we've run through our emotions of the uh, the new era. Ranieri out, Roy in, Ray in as well. And I think we are feeling a little bit more positive about the whole thing. And um, there is obviously a little bit more of a breather and we can enjoy a lot more videos of, of Roy being very sort of pointed towards his new players and them going, oh God, what are we in for now over this next two weeks ahead of Burnley? Thank you very much, Dave. 
Thank you. Hey, this, what can you do but try and get behind it? I know there are people out there with concerns. I know it didn't end well for, for, for Roy at Palace, really. If you look at it, it was, it was, it was, it was on the downhill when he, when he left. But let's just try and get behind him and enjoy it. Hey? This mad old club. We love it and we wouldn't have it any other way. Absolutely. Oh, you concur with that, Mike? Yeah, sort of. Can I just, can I just say uh, how nice it is to be back on, uh, on home turf and with, um, uh, with friendly, uh, friendly allies. I was actually on um, Sky Sports News a couple of times this week and before the Norwich game and after the Norwich game. And on the second appearance, they played back a clip of me. Yeah, they did. They tucked me right up. This is what it must be like to work in the media full time. They played back a clip to me of myself before the Norwich game saying that uh, I thought they were a bit of a soft touch. <laughs> so the presenter has played it said, oh, so I put it to you, Mike, that it's actually Watford that's a bit of the soft touch. I was like, well, you're right. You got me. So, yeah, lovely to be back on, uh, lovely to be back on, uh, on home turf on, on, from the rookery end. Enjoyed talking about, uh, about Ray and Roy. I know we're up against it. I know there's some big issues that, that face our football club at the moment. But the reality is we've got, what, 18 games to go. We're in the Premier League. Um, it's a new dawn. Um, it's a mini season. A massive, massive challenge, but we can play our part as uh, as supporters, and we've got to, got to, got to try and make the most of it. Not take our eye off the ball of being critical friends and and looking to how the club we want the club to change, but let's make the most of these and uh, and and try and enjoy it for for what it is. Come on, you golden boys! Too right, Mike. Lovely way to end, and we will be back on the next episode, building up to that big game against Burnley. Take care, everyone. The Athletic.